Hello and welcome to Searching for Pixels. My guest today joined YouTube in April 2015. Right now he has 16.7 million views on YouTube, just under 300,000 subscribers. It is none other than Lucas Racevic. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. And um, that introduction kind of weirds me out because it's... Uh... I've been doing YouTube a lot longer than in 2015. <laughs> so to hear um, coming in with like, you know, millions of views and that kind of thing, it's something that I definitely never would have expected mm. at this point, Yeah, you know, after doing YouTube for so long and kind of, I mean, large majority of it being a hobby mm -hmm. since my teen years. Well, when did you start YouTube? Because uh, this information I uh, I got, I, I pulled from your, your uh, yeah. Facebook, uh, not Facebook, your YouTube, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, so, and yeah. Um, that it was uh, when I was, I must have been 12, yeah, I was 12 years old, and I was playing Halo 2 at the time because I just got Xbox Live uh, for my birthday, that was yeah. the thing I got, because long story short, my parents said, you can't play games online, so then I just went to a friend's house and played there, and then they gave up, so <laughs> I moved to that instead, and I was really influenced by halo montage creators specific specifically the halo god for his um untouchable montage which is still probably the greatest ever made because it's just <laughs> halo 2 synced up to mc hammer yeah. and it's amazing um and i did my shitty 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 inspiration of it uh recording with a video camera and using iMovie on my mom's laptop and that was the first I, I did a halo montage from that and that was the first video i ever did but i stuck with it hmm. from there and kind of just steadily learn the ropes, experiment with things, and eventually move from making montages and being inspired by that to then doing game reviews. Those were even just as bad, and steadily learn from there. And then I went on the big, I guess the closest I ever got to a quote big break was being on a channel called GXP Tube years ago. Okay. And this was a channel that had me, a friend of mine, Nick, who I still talk with him on occasion to this day, mm -hmm. uh, a COD commentator who was good at gameplay, a guy who reviewed demos, and PewDiePie. Oh, really? Funny enough. Oh, wow. Yeah, but back when he had like 600 subscribers. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, we were on this, all of us kind of combined to this channel so that I was the reviewer. We all had kind of our distinct roles. Mm. And that went from, when I joined it, it was about 6,000 subscribers, and then that by the time it ended, it was about 15,000. Mm. And at the time, that was huge. You know, getting 10,000 views on a video was a huge deal for me yep. um, back in those days. And I mean, many ways, I mean, it still kind of is. I mean, whenever I do a video and, you know, I have somebody like my dad who's very supportive or like a family member or a friend and they'll go like, oh, this one, you know, didn't get as much attention. I go, it got 100 like 20,000 yeah. views. What do, you, what do you want from me? Go. The, yeah, it's the kind of, well, it's the kind of thing. It's just like, I would have killed for this when I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I thought 10,000 views was a big deal back in the day. So to get, you know, 10 times that is insane to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's kind of, but that channel kind of fell through because anyone that's familiar with the Machinima Respawn structure knows that unless you were a very big deal at the time, if you were just kind of middle of the road like I was at that time, you might have gotten a couple thousand views, but it wasn't going to last for very long, and you weren't going to really stand as someone who's distinct yeah. from the dozens, if not hundreds, of others of reviewers and commentators and COD players and stuff like that at that time. Mm -hmm. So it kind of fell through. I was dejected and moved to writing instead. And then after I did university, I kind of... 
at university, I did doc studies, right? Okay. And okay. your final for documentary is to do a 10 minute short film. That's like your final. Right. So when I got out of that and I finished that and I got a relatively decent reception, I'm personally not happy with it, but that's kind of just all my work from that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided it would be interesting to, right after doing that, make a video that is better than that film I did and twice the length, which ended up being the Call of Duty has lost its identity video. Yeah. And that was something I just did as a hobby in my spare time, along with two other videos. And that's what eventually led to years later and Halo and Mass Effect and all that type of stuff and inevitably my channel. Yeah, because I was looking through your your videos earlier on and I saw it by the, the most popular. And your fir- the first video you made for this channel is how Call of Duty lost its identity. That's still the most popular video. Which baffles me because for two years it sat at about 2,000 views, um, you know, from just a couple people. Mm -hmm. And I was relatively pleased with that because, you know, I didn't do a video at that time, you know, as a brand new channel. I made the new channel um, because I just wanted a complete, I wanted to wipe the slate clean. Oh, yeah. I was, it was not really, I could have posted that on my old channel, which had about 1,000 inactive subscribers. So, you know, it would have been basically the same thing. But I basically, it was more for myself than anything. I wanted basically out of getting out of university to make a channel where my goal was okay this video this call of duty video is going to be the benchmark Mm. every video from here on out is going to be either equal or it will surpass this video in terms of its quality because i was relatively pleased with it i've still got some issues with it to this day but it's mostly like technicalities the overall point i'm pleased with um and it's pacing and stuff like that and also it uses because of the rendering, the rendering was screwed up. It's got way too much contrast, so some of the parts of the videos are just pitch black and you can't see shit. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, like w- when I saw that one exploding, that was a particularly weird case because that was after I did the Halo videos and a couple of other smaller videos on my channel. I think it seemed to be that was right about the time just before Call of Duty World War Two got announced. Oh, really? So that's and when it exploded. Yeah, that's what it felt. Oh. That's what it felt like. If I'm at least, if I'm remembering correctly, it was either that or when you know Infinite Warfare was coming out, and I noticed a big surge in viewership out of nowhere. And to this day, I still don't know it. Like I remember, I one time got a comment from someone asking me, "How did you make it? How did you make your first ever video be the most popular?" And I'm like, "You missed the part for years where it sat wasn't being watched by anybody. <laughs> this was if I could have made this intentional." I would have done it a lot sooner. Yeah, maybe it just got uh, shared on the right platform or something. Like maybe somebody on Reddit picked it up. It got to the front page and, you know. That is typically what it is. You know, as much as I sometimes may mock, you know, with friends or whatever, like a website like Reddit Mm. or, you know, a page, you know, on it or something like that. At the end of the day, my channel and a lot of others like mine, we owe ourselves to people sharing our content like that because mm. yeah the halo stuff i did that was at just a couple hundred views maybe a thousand to two thousand for a long time until i woke up one morning and then suddenly saw that the halo 3 video had about ninety thousand views where last night it had about nine wow <laughs> and <laughs> after seeing that was that was a bit of a shock <laughs> and when it started happening with the other videos and then yeah it kind of just went all went from there mm. Is, is there still any evidence of your previous videos knocking about somewhere? Can people find them anywhere, or are they are they uh, um, hidden away? Uh, my friend, my friend Sparky already found a workaround because in my Halo Three ODST years later video, I show my old review of it from my old channel, mm. 
Um, however, uh, it, the link is still in there. So if you have the patience to type in the entire YouTube link yourself, <laughs> you can go and watch it. I think I don't know if the video has been privatized since then because, like, I kind of I just you know scrapped the old channel completely and just didn't really think about it. It's still technically up because yeah. there's some archives I want to keep there for personal reasons and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, in terms of evidence. Uh, it's that, and if you technically find the channel, which was called the Penguino, you can see the top five list I did for 2013. Um, <laughs> yeah, very original, very original content uh, okay. there. <laughs> I really was kind of trying to find my footing for a long time, and you know, even I'm still not. When I look back on it, I'm still not very pleased with the Halo years later stuff because I still felt like I was kind of trying to find my voice at that time. Right. And I think you, it even is. It's even evident in the videos themselves, like. The Halo Reach video is the weakest one of that selection, and it got by far the most negative reception, mm. in part because I was still trying to find my voice. And I was like, you know, trying to experiment and see, okay, this one's make it maybe more aggressive, you know, more um, more inspired by the likes of old stuff like AVGN or Jim Sterling or whatever it was at that time mm. or Rageaholic, and not understanding that that wasn't the right approach to take it. And even Mass Effect 1 has a little bit of that. I felt like when I get to Mass Effect 2 and 3, I feel like those are the videos that I actually start to become okay with. Okay, that's when like you found I'm, your footing in a way. Yeah, that's when I've, I felt like that's when I actually got, you know, a little bit confident in my work. Mm -hmm. I felt like with Mass Effect 3 in particular, because Mass Effect 3 in particular was the, the most satisfying because in the comments, I knew how... how... that game still angers people to this day to think about mm. and you know for a lot of reasons and when i saw people in comment sections saying that they were going into the video pre-angry because just because of the subject of that game's ending alone was enough to tilt them uh when they saw the video and they saw the atmosphere that bioware was in the reasons that led up to that and other explanations and stuff like that and also the sort of the greater issues of the game itself it gave them it some of them said that it gave them closure. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Because okay. they f because they finally uh, they finally no longer had this picture of EA coming over and stomping on everything and, ru and ruining things, you know, just at the last minute or BioWare, you know, one idiot at BioWare screwing everything yeah. up. It was a big picture collective bunch of prop. It was a storm of issues oh, yeah. uh, from the production side, from the development side, to the scheduling, to the marketing. It was a you know big storm that led up to that. And seeing that and being put in that position, I think people are just naturally empathetic mm -hmm. to some extent. Mm -hmm. And when that was, I think that reason that video is the one that kind of is where I found my footing is that I realized my videos are not about being objective or about being you know, above anybody or thing like that. It was just about giving people information yeah. and just about giving a perspective that is not meant to change their own, but meant to inform it yeah. and meant so that if they happen to agree with my views or have their views changed by my work, that's fine. So be it. It's not the goal of my videos. Yeah. Another one that um, I particularly liked uh, was the Spec Ops The Line video five years later. Mm. That, was, that was a very I'm very one. pleased. I'm very pleased with that one too. Yeah. No, I was... And I was really pleased with the way that one came. Not so much because of the research and, inf and information, because since then I did some further digging and talked to some people and found some information that um, didn't make it in there. Yeah. Uh, some stuff that would have been pretty vital. But I'm overall pleased with it. 
mainly because of the multiplayer portion. (laughs) Because that was something I never got to do in the past. Mm. And it was so much fun. I still have some of that footage archived. um, And I don't think I'll ever get rid of that because, I mean... I'm never going to set up. I'm probably never going to set up a multiplayer session again because it was a pain in the ass. Oh, really? But yeah, it was it was just a good time to uh, meet people and talk to people. Talk to people. A lot of the regulars on my Discord server mm-hmm. um, came on to that, and you know we talked with each other since then, mainly because of that event. Yeah. And it was a couple of days, and we it was yeah. It was, just, it was something I never got to do before was to you know revive a dead game that no one else in the world really cares about and also doesn't really have a good reason to care about. Yeah. You know, the pointlessness of it all was kind of the point <laughs> of it. And I thought there was kind of a, a, if not a beauty to it, at least, you know, a, a curiosity to it. Yeah. There are a few games after, after watching that video, um, I've got some own ideas of my own in my head that I'm planning to make some videos yeah. about. And um, some that, there are some points I'd like to make about these games, but it requires multiplayer. I, I don't know if you've ever yeah. played um, Time Shift. Uh, I have. I have played a little bit of Time Shift, and yeah, that's um, you can't log into the service of that game and get a deathmatch going. No, and that's something you need. That one's gone. Uh, to set, yeah, that one's gone. It's something you need to. Game Spy has fucked up so many games for that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, like uh, Battlefield Two and Twenty One Forty Two. Those are extremely difficult to get up and running these days. Um, Crisis 2, I think you have to use a separate mod entirely to play the multiplayer at oh, all. Right, okay, I didn't know that. Because, uh, yeah, because the servers use GameSpy, and because there's a login screen there, you can't even make your own custom games without GameSpy. <laughs> you know, so you can't even go to the multiplayer menu oh. to see what it was like back then. God. You'd have to do that on consoles. Yeah. Oh, man. And um, so you, with that particular video, the Spec Ops Align video, you had a lot of input from the community, from patreon from things like that um yeah how involved did the community get in your video making process so say um you're on your patreon do you have a like a suggestion list or how do you come up with the ideas for your videos um my a lot of the ideas for videos are all very personal to me Mm -hmm. Uh, they're all you know sort of things that i've been thinking of for some time i try as best i can to never do a video that is reactionary or you know based on new information yeah um, because I kind of want every video to be able to be watched at any point in time mm-hmm. effectively, even if it's a bit, even if there's some information on it, like, um, like my rainbow six video operation, tough love, you know, something like that, you know, some of the stuff in it, like operators, um, base operators in that game costing money and stuff like that, that stuff may no longer be there, but it still serves as at least a stamp, uh, of when that existed. And also a lot of the points I make still are applicable to the game to this day at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like it's just completely, you know, gone or out of the water or anything like that. Yeah. So I try to make each video very personal to me. Um, that's not to say the community doesn't have it doesn't have an influence. I mean, mm. my Overwatch video essentially was directly influenced from the community mm. and, you know, was, you know, spawned from a particular comment in it. Um, so they absolutely can have an influence on me, but that's the main thing is that it comes from me first. I never do a video that is forced upon me mm. or is something that I don't want to like. I've gotten tons of requests, you know, to do, you know, Halo Wars, and I absolutely see why because you know it's a game that is generally not really talked about in any sort of depth. Yeah, yeah. Um, not in video form in particular. But the reason I haven't done it, at least not yet, um, 
is that I've just not fe- felt that, that I'm confident enough for it because I'm not a fan of strategy games. I'm not an expert on them. Mm-hmm. And I was not somebody that really played the game all that much at launch too. So I'd having, you know, there's so many things against it from me, for me to do it that I don't want to, even though there's so much request for it. And yeah, I'm sure it would get me views and it would get me, you know, attention, stuff like that. And I'm sure some people would like it, but I just... I want to, if I'm not going to feel satisfied with it the week after I do the video, I want to at least feel satisfied with it when I'm finished with it. Oh, yeah. It'd be a compromise yeah, otherwise, wouldn't I, it? Yeah, exactly. So, no, I have, I'd have. i want to leave that to someone else who's more attached to that game. Mm, yeah. And so let's say you... Um let's say you've decided on a, a topic for your video uh, mm-hmm. let's go I don't know uh, the orange box 10 years later or, yeah let's say what's your what's your process for going through to make that video uh, what would you do from say start to finish as, as a rough guide that was something uh, I, I agonized over that video quite a bit oh um, the benefit of the orange box is that four of the games are really short yeah so that was the benefit of it is that I could I could afford to play through to play that game through and, and to play the games through in their entirety and also do a lot of levels on repeats and stuff like that and excuse me uh, try different difficulties and all that type of stuff uh, the process typically when I finally decide on the video to do I then just get straight to gameplay and I haven't when I start gameplay I try as best as I can to not do research prior to that because I find that if you do research prior to playing the game it can kind of influence your view a little bit too much Mm. you know even though i might have already played half-life 2 in its episodes in portal i still try to get as close as i can to a player's mindset and not a critics or a researchers or anything like that i just want to play the game as is and and have my opinions informed by what i'm learning or what i'm believing in that moment of play and the interesting thing that can happen there is that sometimes you can form – I'll sometimes formulate my own theories as to why X is good or why B is bad in the moment. And then I find some information in the research process after doing a game's playthrough that then changes that mm. and alters the perspective and makes me uh, either you know, pleased or displeased depending on the information <laughs> on, on what happened there. Yep. So – I mean, the most recent example in a video would be like Battlefront 2, where I'm playing through the game and I was really frustrated at a story twist that the game had. Mm-hmm. I twist in quotation marks. <laughs> uh, but then I stumbled upon in it, a, a, an interview that didn't get much attention on SoundCloud. But I, and this is a big part of the research process is listening to interviews in the background while I'm doing other stuff because it's. It's just so tedious. It's like, you know, trying to find a pearl. You know, yeah. you're just, you know, yeah. opening oysters, just getting yard after yard after yard of just nothing. But occasionally you find a pearl. And in this case, I got information from a writer saying that they couldn't do a particular uh, story direction because of it being a Star Wars game of how it would affect the rest of the universe that is owned by Disney. Hmm. And getting that information made me not like the twist that they did. It didn't make me like the execution. It made me understand it, though. And it put in context a lot of other reasons for the rest of the game's development. And I find that happens on probably the majority of my projects. Hmm. So in the case of Orange Box, you know, going back to the process, it's you start a playthrough of the game. If you do, if I do have time, I'll I'll do the, so I do the game, do the research always, 
Then if I have the time, I'll do a second playthrough. Usually if it's a shorter game, like Max Payne 3, I was able to do that, no problem. Yeah. Um, and then after that comes the writing, mm-hmm. and the writing is by far the longest process oh, yeah. um, because I I agonize over a lot of things. I agonize over the information. I agonize over the pacing of the video because at the end of the day, it's a video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want it to feel like it's dragging. If I'm going to make a video that's an hour, it's not because it's dragging. It's because there's just that much shit in there. <laughs> you know, that's kind of my attitude. Is, yeah. That's why it's an hour. I never make a video that long, you know, just, you know, for the sake of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm or anything like that. Um, and then usually the writing, the writing will finish up after the deadline for editing is so close to a point where I have to edit it in that time frame, or else it's not going to be able to get finished. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that I need to put myself in that sort of panic for it to get done at all, or else <laughs> I just boot up Siege or whatever multiplayer game instead. Oh, okay. um, See, so, which is kind of unhealthy, but hey, I can afford doing it for now, I guess. Yep. And yeah, that is typically the process. Is like Orange Box. I was staying up. Orange Box nearly actually that that video nearly put me into tears by the end because I had pulled multiple all-nighters at that point Mm. just to then get Adobe um, canceling the render at 99% consistently, you know, multiple times. And I just wanted to be done with it at that point. I was so sick of the project at that point. I was sick of, you know, having to use every single piece of music uh, come from a Half-Life game. I was sick of the footage and the and the voice clips. I was tired of all of it. Yeah. I wanted it just to just be done. Um, thankfully, the reception kind of made it worth it. And I think that's the, the usual pattern is. By the end of the video, I, I hate it and I just wanted to be done. Um, then when I post it online, it kind of clears up for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it sort of, you know, it sort of takes the edge off and it allows me to see kind of the video for what it is. Mm-hmm. And it makes it all worth it when you get, I mean, that orange box got over a million views by now as well. Yeah, which um, is really cool because I feel like if there's any video that I would like to get that sort of attention, orange box would be one of them, except for two things. Uh, well, three things. Pro- I could probably find a fourth if we had the time for it, but <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, and you uh, you said earlier that your background is you went to university and you did documentary. Uh, what was the title? I got what was the title of the? I got degree? a doc. I got a documentary studies certificate. Oh, okay. So I was there for eight months. Just kind of my attitude to college was get in, get out. Oh. And do you find you you learned valuable things in those those eight months that helped you? Um, when it came to information, I learned that I really don't like working on set. I'm not that type of person. Okay. I learned that Avid is the worst piece of software ever made in history. <laughs> oh, okay. And I learned buy your own DSLRs because rent camera equipment sucks. Huh. Um, but I mean, aside from all joking aside, though, the main thing I think university did was mature me mm-hmm. because prior to that, um, I mean, I did. I think there's a when I was at university and I started, I was if you look at my old content, like on the Penguino, like I mentioned earlier, it's very much informed by other people and it's very much and that's OK. There's nothing wrong with that. But even down to the structure and the presentation of it is not really a part of me. Yeah. 
Um, when I got to university, and when you go to university and you're having to, you know, get everywhere on time yourself, having to eat everything yourself, having to, you know, manage your finances, having to manage your schedules, having to work with different groups of people and different projects consistently, it forces you to find at least something within yourself that gives you that confidence to keep going forward. Yeah. And I think that's what influenced me the most is that it I feel like even though I was, you know, nineteen to twenty at that time, I felt like becoming eighteen wasn't what made me an adult. It felt like get me going through university and like that was what aged me. Oh, okay. That that was and the milestone. Yeah, that was kind of that was what I felt like I was actually confident enough to do things myself. Okay. And yeah, I feel like that was a valuable lesson. It was less about the technicals. It was more about the emotional place that it helped me with. And that the main thing it really taught me in university is that, you know, you go through, you know, early parts of your life thinking that um, you're the one that's lost and everyone else is above you. Yeah. Um, and going to university, you know, really taught me that everyone else is just as terrified and just as <laughs> <laughs> and just as lost and just as empty as I was yeah. um, and to kind of take comfort in that actually because I feel like that's where working alongside people that's kind of where the enjoyment comes from the enjoyment kind of comes from all of you sort of having one piece of the puzzle and coming together to put everything together yeah. and or in my case being a one man show you know me going on the search for those pieces mm -hmm. oh god my dad would say the same thing it's like nobody has any idea what they're doing but somehow it all fits together and it works yeah <laughs> it just keeps going that's forward usually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's usually how it goes I mean it's the kind of thing it's like I have those panic moments a lot of times where you know I think that's probably the biggest um, analog was when I make videos today, I have those panic moments of like, I'm not going to be able to get this video done in time or everyone's going to hate it or the quality is just not good enough, et cetera, et cetera. And it all ends up kind of panning out. And I'm not saying like, oh, just don't do anything and everything will work mm -hmm. out. No, force it, you know, work at it. Do everything that you can to make that work. But know that when I'm in a bad place, know that I've gotten myself out of it multiple times before. Yeah. And also understanding that that bad place might be the reason I'm even able to have any sort of mesh, small, meager, you know, whatever you want to call it right now, measure of success mm -hmm. at that moment. Yeah. You know, the it can be a benefit instead. Oh, yeah. I mean, looking at it, it seems like uh, it all, it's all working out pretty well for you now because uh, it's and going well. <laughs> <laughs> it's going well for me now. And like my kind of general attitude is I don't know for how much longer. I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, what's going to happen in the future. Um I don't think it's what I'm going to be doing, you know, 10 years from now, mm -hmm. but I mean, we'll see. And that's kind of, I don't really, I really worry, you know, about arrogance and about, you know, thinking, you know, believing your own hype and stuff like that. And I try as best I can to keep that measured. And I try as best I can to confidence and arrogance, you know, you're on a, you're on a, a thin line oh yeah and i try to make sure that it's on the confident end and not the arrogant end yeah. you know when i get something wrong in a video you know i don't try to you know defend it or try to say like you know oh it had this purpose or oh it's this other person's fault mm -hmm. you know like in my last video you know you know i did a montage style cutaway with a bunch of flashes and you know someone in my comment section you know mentioned you know hey you know you could have given a warning for you know like you know people with epilepsy and it's like 
and I was like, "Fuck, I didn't even think of that." Yeah, like is that the, the Battlefront like, thing, Battlefront Two video. Yeah, I did. I, yeah, it was, and like I didn't think of it because you know I haven't, I didn't need to, you know, for all this time. You know, back in the day, you know, I just like who the fuck's gonna watch my content? You know, that was kind of the attitude. <laughs> yeah. um, now, you know, knowing that you have an audience and knowing that you have people that you know, that trust you and stuff like that, you know, it puts responsibility on mm-hmm. you and. Yeah, and that was something that, you know, I, I then added a warning in the description and stuff like that because, you know, like I said, the videos, you know, they're meant to they're meant to entertain. They're meant to hopefully inform. Mm-hmm. And if they don't inform, they're at least, you know, giving they'll hopefully give someone else a perspective that, again, aids their own. Yeah. And how much you talked about burden is has there ever been a point where you felt like the, the burden is getting too much because looking at your say your patreon for example you've mm. got 366 patreons just under 1500 dollars a month how much mm-hmm. does that put a lot of pressure on you to make these videos does it change the way you've, you you do it because say when you started with your your call yeah. of duty one you know that was say for fun or for your personal project yeah. and now it's yeah. becoming more of a regular thing is, is that pressure ever gotten to you there's definitely been times where the pressure gets to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely been times where I'm really pissed off that I didn't make a deadline or got a piece of information wrong or made a video that doesn't meet my personal standards yep. um, You know, to make a deadline. Um, however, there's a great line that Denzel Washington said at a interview he did uh, at a director's roundtable where he says that in his case, you know, making a movie was a, is a privilege. Mm. You know, all the problems that 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 he got to deal with, you know, all the the hard work and the agony and the and the pains of going through like that. You know, it's an honor to be able to get to do that. And it's a pleasure to get to do that. And a lot of people would dream to get to do that. And I kind of feel something similar with doing YouTube, you know, for all the challenges that I've run into and for the occasions that pressure will get to me or whatever. I get to make videos that are essentially whatever I want them to be about. Mm. And, you know, I don't feel trapped to any particular game. I don't feel trapped to any particular structure or formula. Kind of the point of the channel that I'm doing is that it is different a lot of the time. And it and you don't know exactly what I'm going to do and what I'm going to say, you know, per project and per video. Mm-hmm. And that to me, again, I, I, what I feel is privileged. I feel lucky to get to do that. And kind of a personal note is that my parents both came from the art world. You know, they were both, they were musicians, they were writers, they, you know, went to LA, they went through, you know, the system, they went through the industries and and the industry spat them back out. So when I went into, you know, doing YouTube stuff or doing, you know, writing or whatever it may be, you know, there was obviously some concern there, but they never discouraged me. Mm. You know, they, they, you know, they just, you know, said, you know, have a backup plan, you know, do something else in the meantime, you know you know, have other means that you can go back on, but they never discouraged me from working on what I wanted to. And especially because it's working out, I do feel, you know, a need to keep this going for as long as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully not to the detriment of myself or the quality or the viewers, anything like Mm -hmm. that. But I want to keep it going, you know, because I feel like I sort of owe it to them because if I didn't and if I didn't make if I just treated this like I fucking deserve it and I, <laughs> you know, that, oh, they, this, I'm entitled to this or whatever, I yeah. feel like I'd be really insulting them. Mm. And I feel like I wouldn't be living up to, I feel like I wouldn't be respecting them. Yeah. And I don't think I could really bear that. Mm. And do you have any ideas of where you might be in, say, 
10 years time because I, I watched an interview that you gave um, I don't know if, I don't mm-hmm. if you, you gave an interview to uh, somebody who was in college and they had to do a, yeah uh, I was listening to that and they and um, you said that you did some writing in the past um, mm-hmm. so you, I'm just thinking say you did the writing in the past you're obviously a very talented writer you make these videos oh, now is there anywhere that you'll say looking to go towards in in the in the future that you have in mind well, I appreciate the decent writing comment. I mean, it's it's something I agonize over a lot. Oh, it's, it's, clear, it's, and... it's fantastic. It's uh, it, <laughs> it, it clearly has well, a structure. I mean, I, I the one thing I think about with these, particularly, there's definitely you, particularly you, uh, and there's people like uh, Noah Gladwell, Gervais. Um, mm. Oh God, I got to think on the spot now. Uh, let me check my YouTube. Um, who does those those long uh, those very long videos? Um, Matthew Matosis, Joseph Anderson, Joseph Anderson, Joseph. Yep. Yeah, Matthew Matosis. Yeah. Uh, I'd say Bunny Hop is the biggest influence. Super Bunny uh, Hop yeah, because yeah. that was the channel. Yeah, that was the channel that taught me that. Because um, the way you would go to a Super Bunny Hop review and it wouldn't open with, "Here's the crew." It comes out. It's available for the Xbox 360 and PS3. Yeah. It's made by Ivory Tower and published by Ubisoft. <laughs> it opens with. A story. It opens with him, you know, yeah. a question for the audience. And that's kind of what I try to, you know, sort of follow, mm-hmm. you know, or be inspired by. A f- de- very dear friend of mine, you know, she told me that whenever you're writing anything, be it an essay, be it a, st- be it a novel, be it a TV show, you have one job, and that is to make the viewer ask a question. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you have made a TV pilot or you started a video or whatever, and you haven't gotten the audience to ask a question, then you're not you're not engaging them. You haven't done a job. You haven't given them something to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's kind of I try as best I can to never force it. You know, never make the writing. You know, try to force a narrative that isn't there or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But just try to make. I believe you can make a story out of anything, uh, or there's a story anywhere you look. And I try to basically just present a story as best I can. Yeah, because um, the thing well, like but, with YouTube as well, because it's such such an open platform that you know so many people, anybody mm-hmm. can make a video. The thing that differentiates, say, your videos and Super Bunny Hop and the people we just discussed, is mm-hmm. to me it feels like it's writing first and then it's a video, rather than mm-hmm. somebody just making a video and trying to write about that. You know. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where you know if if I. I would never post a video. I don't think I would ever post a video on my channel that is, you know, just off the cuff or, you know, in the moments or off the top of my head or anything like that. Cause <laughs> I just don't trust myself. And it's, it's a partially that. And it's also, there's so many other people that can do that and have a more immediately nuanced view than I can, yeah. you know, in the moment that I just don't really feel the need. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of thing. It's like, you know, a lot of people, when Battlefront 2 was coming out, a lot of people were asking me, are you going to do a video when it comes out on launch? And I'm like, no. Because, I mean, <laughs> I did a video complaining about Siege's microtransactions. How, what do you think my opinion is on Battlefront 2's launch? Um, how that all worked out. And, I mean, I did a video, you know, a year later anyways, you know, when the game was at a fraction of a cost and when the hype of that storm really died down. That's the main thing I never like getting involved with. I never like being in the middle of a bandwagon or storm. I never like being in a situation where we don't have all the information yet. We don't, and we have a lot of people that have a lot to gain by pretending to act like they do. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's something I try as best I can to not serve. I don't want to serve misinformation. All I try to give is a perspective and, you know, take it or leave it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, mentioning George from Super Bunny Hop, 
very inspiring uh, writer and video creator. Is any anybody else who um, you find particularly, uh, I say the word inspiring, but thought-provoking? <laughs> I hate the word inspiring. It sounds so cliche. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit cliche, yeah. but I mean, it's it's still applicable. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, there, there's a lot of um, content that I quite like. I quite like, um, here, I gotta have to, I gotta confirm. I've, I've talked about him on my channel before. I gotta confirm this guy's name. You can probably just cut this down in the interview section. <laughs> no way. Um, interview. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm not going to be able to find this. Actually, on. Ah, uh, the off-camera show. Uh, that's um, a big... I, I love that program because basically it's how I would personally want to run a talk show. It's with Sam Jones, the guy's name. And it's him talking to celebrities like, you know, Robert Downey Jr., Ron Howard, you know, all those types of people, Andrew Garfield. But it's very... They're very oddly personal conversations. Hmm. And, you know, they're not there to promote something, you know, and that's, that's the main thing. And they're, they're very separated from the world that they live, from the world that those actors are in constantly or directors. And that's kind of what I try to do is I try to sort of use the advantage, use retrospect to my advantage, you know, because they always say, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm. So I, when I do... I'll be honest, when I first did those videos, the main reason was because I didn't have the money to do recent video game reviews. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I have a large gaming library, so I thought might as well use yeah. it and talk about this shit. But, you know, there's a lot of other benefits too in terms of making videos. And the benefit of making a retrospect piece is that you are not burdened by a lack of information in the moment mm. and you're not burdened by other people influencing you because especially if it's an older game, you know, who else is talking about it in that immediate moment? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about when I finish a video is that I feel like I now have, I then have permission to go watch other people's content on that piece Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and get their perspective and all that type of stuff. So, you know, like when I, after I did my prey video, the first thing I did was go to Joseph Anderson's video. Cause I'm like, I can finally watch it and not feel like <laughs> if I do this video, I'm just going to be ripping Joseph Anderson because, you know, we, we think we're invulnerable to that. You know, a lot of people think we can avoid that and dodge mm -hmm. that, but we get influenced by people. It's just nature, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's, and, um, cryptomesia, I believe it's called, you know, where we think we've made up information that is our own when it's actually from somewhere else, mm -hmm. you know, that is a part of a lot of people. Uh, I, I believe I remember a scientist saying that it's not just something, it's not just natural, it's necessary. Oh, yeah. You know, if you think, if you know, if you think about, you know, humanity's survival way back, you know, how to make the fire is more important than who came up with the idea to make the fire. <laughs> but unfortunately, mm -hmm. in a modern world that is based on, you know, copyright and capitalism and all that type of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, it's a very different, you know, it's, there's a lot of concerns and there's a lot of um, value, valuable concerns there. So... I try as best I can when I do a video on a game. It's going to be something that I'm interested in. So there's that. Um, it's not going to be directly informed by other people. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be something like, oh, I played this game with a friend and it made me want to do a video on it. It's not, oh, I watched eight videos on this and now I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. If anything, if I watch eight videos on a subject, it makes me not want to do it because it's already been, because <laughs> I figure, what, what can I add to this conversation yeah. that hasn't already been covered? Yeah. Uh, have you ever, ever, done any like official collaborations with youtubers with videos like this or do you plan to in the future at all 
never currently I've done no official collaborations. Um, I've had, you know, people appear. Mm -hmm. I've had Shammy appear in my videos, Mandalore, Red Angel. I had recently my friend Clue show up. I've had, you know, uh, Axikins. I've had Sparky. I've had, you know, people on there. Um, and I plan to, uh, Quiet Shy was one of my favorites. She was amazing <laughs> <laughs> in the Warframe Q&A. Oh, right. uh, some people believe that's me, by the way. Oh, really? Even though, it's splat, even though it flashes special guest and it's anyone that knows the Warframe community knows it's Quiet Shy. <laughs> yeah, some people still think it's me with a voice changer. <laughs> Why, I have no idea. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I typically, that's usually the collaboration I like because it's small. It's not in the way. It doesn't disrupt the video. Mm-hmm. Or anything like that because if I do a collaboration I want it to be necessary I don't want to do it you know just for the sake of yeah. it that's not to say that I would never do a collaboration I mean very possible I could do one in the future yeah um, I, I never try to write anything off the table like that but um, that is typically the reason why I just have small cameos mm. rather than full-on collaborations yeah I did an interview with um, Mitch Kramer from heavy-eyed um, yeah and I know Mitch. yeah he's a nice guy very nice guy and really nice guy he's a really good content creator too yeah I was, I was speaking to him about his his process for making his videos and he does a lot of sharing of the scripts so he'll write a script and he'll he'll pass it on to another youtuber uh mm -hmm. possibly um it may be mark brown i think he he talks with quite a lot so they re they mm -hmm. review each other's work um which is which is quite interesting because to, to me yeah. like, when i think about these videos i think there's a one-man show you know a lot of the time yeah. but it seems like the, the community is rather behind the scenes they, they can be quite involved as well yeah um, I think I've gotten really lucky in a lot of ways and one of them is the sector of YouTube I've found myself in mm. um, you know talking to people like Mandalore Shammy Heavy Eyed all those people Leonardo de Sidsi etc etc um all those people, the the all the people, nearly all the people I've talked to are super nice. They're very open. They're very honest in their critiques, um, because I think what we do is that I think we ultimately value. We spend our lives, you know, talking about things that we love or dis or we don't love but want to, and you know, we put so much, we put this work into trying to showcase the depth of games and the work that goes into games and the people behind them that we don't want to get that stuff wrong you know we want you know we want to value that stuff so i think that's why you know heavy eyed will and 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 mark brown will agonize over a script like that i agree, i do that same thing i i don't really send my scripts out very often mm -hmm. um orange box i did share with somebody a dear a friend of mine uh Sergeant Strawberry, who also appeared in my Warframe video. Mm -hmm. uh, she went over that. I've had uh, another friend of mine, Axikins, help out too on projects. So it's not that it never happens. Um, it's just kind of, it's a case, I do that when I'm completely lost. Uh, okay. And like, I'm sort of grasping at straws at that moment. I've kind of realized recently what I typically do in my script in my process of writing is that I will write a script. It has sort of the rough idea of what I want, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have the structure. And then I'll write a second script where it gets a little bit closer than a third script where it's finally got everything I want in the order I want. Because particularly after the backlash on Halo Reach, I was really inspired by an interview I saw with Neil deGrasse Tyson and Sam Harris. 
I don't okay. really follow the two's individual work that much, so it's not like I'm a big fan or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I listened to a really interesting conversation they had where Neil was criticizing Sam for not being in the same lane as the person he was talking with. And he said that because she's the guest and you're the host, it's it's like a rear-end collision or passing in basketball. Huh. Like in basketball, if you pass the ball and your teammate doesn't catch it, it's your fault, no matter what, yeah. because you're supposed to ensure that there is no tangible way for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a rear-end collision. And when you make a YouTube video or or any piece of writing, actually, you are trying as best you can to make sure that there is no way that an audience can misinterpret what you're saying. Now, that doesn't mean you can make it bulletproof. There is no way to make it completely bulletproof. Mm -hmm. You're always going to get someone that will misinterpret it. You always will get someone who will maliciously try to change what you're saying and stuff like that or not understand it. That's always going to happen. But you want to minimize that as much as you can. And after I realized that, I think that's why, personally, in my opinion, I think the videos in the Halo series that are the best are by far four and five because I think they much more take into consideration that perspective. They consider the viewers a lot more mm. than the earlier works, and they're not as focused. I I really cringe when I use the word objective in those videos because <laughs> I've kind of just dropped that phrase completely since then because it's a load of bullshit and you can't be objective and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's like um, I, I I to me these days when I make videos, it's not about ob- objectivity; it's about fairness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's about is what I'm saying, be it positive or negative, is it fair to the creator what they wanted and what the situation allowed them to have? Yeah, and that, going back to your Mass Effect Three video, that's probably why that was like why you were saying that's your most prized one because it, mm. it had that other perspective, but it was a fair perspective. Yeah, like I wasn't saying, oh, no, guys, Bioware's ending is great. No, fucking Mass Effect 3 is one of the worst endings I've ever seen. Um, But I think you can say that and still have respect for the developers and what they went through. And I think you can also understand that, you know, even if you were to remove the anger that you get from it, even if it may be valid, because, you know, you spent 60 bucks. We all work hard in our fucking lives. They made three games in the past. They made promises. Of course, you can be upset about that. There's nothing. That's what I try to do is I don't try to say like, oh, you're wrong for feeling that way. You know, how you feel is how you feel. We can't control Mm -hmm. that. Um, That's so that's why all I try to do is, you know, give a piece of information that will maybe make them feel differently about Mm -hmm. it. And with your Call of Duty video, um, it's three years old now. Um, yeah, you you had a, there's a quote in it. You said uh, Call of Duty is a shell of its former self. Three years on, do you still agree with that? I think so. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I mean, me and some people on my server were actually recently talking about how you know Black Ops Four is quite the interesting case. I here's the thing. I think Call of Duty will never stop being fascinating. Mm. You know, just as an entertainment product and how it's received and how it keeps going. Um, but the games themselves, yeah, to me, I just don't really see them as that particularly special anymore because we have other games, we have other creators, we have, you know, other things that, in my opinion, Call of Duty just hasn't really caught up on. And again, I don't really even exactly fault the developers for that because, like, for instance, the one that comes to mind is my review for Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, where to me, it seems pretty clear when playing that game, 
that it's not it is not a traditional Call of Duty game in its construction. Mm. It's not here's the multiplayer that's going to keep you engaged. Here's the single player that is kind of just thrown together, and then here's you know the co-op whatever. It feels more like a campaign game, and that really threw me off. Mm-hmm. And and thinking about how the position that developer was in, even if that even if it really was they wanted to make a campaign game, they weren't in the position to, and it definitely affected that product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's also related to uh, another video did it, you did um, with regards to Battlefield 1. And uh, mm. there, there was something you said in that which uh, it, it clicked with me quite a bit. You said mm. you won't experience games like Battlefield 1 with a fresh perspective again. And yeah. to me, it's like if, if, if I play a new Call of Duty or if the new Battlefield comes out or Fortnite or whatever it is, that's mm. not this. it will never be the same as when I first played Call of Duty 4. Or when I first no. played Halo Two, or first played uh, Halo Three, whatever, it's just not the same. Yeah, and I th- maybe it's just growing old. It, it just, yeah, yeah, it just won't. And I think, yeah, that's I think that's what really affected a lot of people. Like I think, um, I think something that's gonna. I don't actually. I don't want to make any predictions, but I have a sneaking suspicion that when the current craze, which is battle royale. Um, kind of fades down. I don't think it'll ever go away completely because Minecraft hasn't gone away completely. Gotcha. You know, multiplayer hasn't gone away completely or anything like that. You know, trends, you know, they usually stay for at least a little bit. They just don't become number one anymore. Mm-hmm. But when the Battle Royale thing kind of dies down a bit, I think people will look back on stuff like the original, you know, King of the Kill or, you know, um, Hunger Game, Minecraft or PUBG. I think they will look back on it fondly not merely for the experience itself, but for the experience of playing something new that first time. Mm. That that initial hook. That hook of, wow, I have never actually played a game like this before. That is distinct to people. That is special to people. And it's something that, especially with this model that games are going in of games as a service in the AAA space, is something that is going to happen less and less than it already does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as when you were when when you're doing your videos, you you said how you don't like to get in, not anybody else's opinion, but you you want to go in with a, a, a fresh slate, really. So you want to play the yeah. game and make your decision. Is there any game that you say you knew a little bit about, but you were you were surprised about it? So you thought, okay, this game's probably going to be rubbish, but it turned out to be really good, or uh, this game's probably going to be really good, but it turned out to suck. Um, get even. Uh, the video I did on that, um, ah. yeah, the, the that video was pretty good because I went in to get even with virtually no, actually very low expectations mm-hmm. um, because of the game I played before then, which is kind of, I kind of incorporated that into the video. Um, and that's typically what I try to do as well. When I'm feeling a, a particular way, I try to, you know, explain that yeah. and sort of give that the context because context is everything in YouTube content. Uh, if you don't build the context properly, you're very likely to lose the audience anyways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the game Get Even, I went in there with relatively low expectations despite a lot of praise that that game got because of what I played before. And I'm like, how the hell can this company go from that to that in one game? Um, and then I played it and then I realized, and I thought, and the answer I got was even weirder than what my prediction was because the answer was, this gameplay is fucking horrendous. 
yet I stayed all up all night to finish it <laughs> in one go. And, and so I thought that's even weirder. Okay, let's explore that and let's get down to why the reasons that are. I think that's a I think that's another case too of like when I experience something like that, I want to get to the reasons why. You know, when I reap when I had a collection of a thousand games on my computer and then I ended up staying up all night to finish Nightfire, a game from my childhood <laughs> instead, I wanted to go, why the fuck am I doing that? Yeah. And that's what led to the video. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of tried to, mm. you know, sort of resolve the mystery more from my own personal gain than anything, like more of my own personal curiosity mm -hmm. um, than anything. I'm just like, you know, why did this game hook me? Yeah, because I'm a pretty jaded person. Mm -hmm. You know, it does. It's not easy for a game to get me like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, what are some of your favorite games? We'll, we'll say, say say series. Let's make it a bit easier. I'll give you a series. <laughs> um, a series that I've always loved and is going through a real struggle right now is definitely Battlefield. I've huh. loved the Battlefield games for some time. Mm -hmm. um, the Mass Effect series, quite obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I talked about in those videos, I kind of realized I much more love the universe than I love the games themselves. Okay. Um, Burnout, which is the most recent video I did. Oh, yeah. I absolutely adore that series, and I miss it so so much uh and yeah and again yeah and that's the thing is i think years later for me is going to become a lot more challenging when i start getting into the territory of games that um that i don't have as personal of a connection to like the orange box terrified me for a multitude of reasons one of them being that i played tf2 pretty casually and only for one or two years right and i knew that it had gone through significant changes i knew that it had this pro scene that i had absolutely no knowledge of going yeah. in um you know compared to halo 2 where i knew that game backwards and forwards you know even stuff that i didn't participate in i knew about mm -hmm. because i was you know in interested in it so I was ultimately pleased with how Team Fortress 2 came out and it, and it relieved me to hear veterans of that game come to me and say, no, you got a lot of stuff right. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that really, you know, that was an utter relief to hear that. Mm -hmm. oh, but yeah, that's that's going to be something that I think will come up later um, and something that will do that um, is to talk about games that I may have a bias against going into and the thing that I think will be interesting when that comes is I will still try as best I can to keep that fairness. Right. Okay. But yeah. you know, you know, take a video that, you know, make a video where yes, in my, if you were to talk to me personally and I was like, you know, maybe just had like a soda and a beer in my two hands, I'd just be like, yeah, fuck that game. It sucks or whatever. <laughs> but you know, in the con, you know, in the, yeah. the context of a video, that's not particularly interesting. <laughs> and for me as someone who tries to write, mm -hmm. it's not particularly interesting to think about either. And I know, and I especially know that from doing videos and how games are made that there's always going to be more to it than that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always going to be more to bad games, bad because bad, you know, so we tried to, I tried to, as best I can, to talk about that and sort of use that as a way. Because what I've definitely realized with videos is the subjectivity can actually make us, can make the thing interesting. Because subjectivity is what makes it relatable. Mm -hmm. You know, even, even your, even if your perspective is completely the opposite of a viewer's, the fact that you have a perspective that differs at all, you can, you can, it's relatable you can relate in your differences, mm. you know, because we've all been there where we're talking to someone else that does not share anything that we discuss. 
And yeah. it's not their fault. They have their own valid reasons for doing so. So using that as a way to talk about games in a video, I don't think is a disadvantage or a bad thing at all. I think it's actually an opportunity. Yeah. Will, will you find that you'll have to say you do a game uh, 10 years later, but it's not one that you're, you have very strong attractions to attract attachments mm. to are you going to have to change your approach to your writing do you think because i mean you could you could have a disclaimer but uh, you know that's <laughs> how much do you think you'll have to change your approach to writing for that video to to compensate for that i think the structure can be pretty similar because the structure itself is you know it's not really the structure itself isn't baked into my personal opinions mm -hmm. and it's also pretty modular like in the case of mass effect for instance you know i changed you know mass effect 3 you know i, I reversed the order that we talked about stuff because the game um is very different mm -hmm. and puts its focus its center of attention on a lot of different things from previous games so it's something that I don't think the structure will be a problem. I don't think that will really change that much at all, or at least it won't change in ways that kind of that are that viewers are not used to. Yeah. In the series, if you know what I mean, because each of the years later kind of have their own little quirks and stuff, and that's by design. I don't want any years later video to just be identical to another. Mm -hmm. um, from start to from start to finish, I do think my approach in playing them will be very different. Okay. And. I think that will come up because I want to do a series on Metro um, with oh, the new yeah. game coming oh, out. Yeah. And that's a very interesting one because Metro 2033 was a game that I wanted to love but just couldn't and then fell in love with Last Light. Hmm. So I think that'll be very interesting with both those games to see sort of how my opinion goes with that. Oh, yeah. Very nice. I'll, I'll look forward to that one. I did enjoy the, uh, the Metro games. And, uh, I, can't, I can't remember. It's been a long time since I played them, but they they were good. I did enjoy them. Yeah, it, they reminded me of like a, in my opinion, it was a more accessible um, uh, stalker, I suppose. Yeah, to me, they have they have the character and the personal touch that stuff like Half Life or uh, or Brothers in Arms or whatever mm -hmm. used to have. It feels like those series, maybe not in gameplay, but in terms of just how they they feel and how they're constructed, they don't feel they don't have the corporate feel yeah. that a lot of AAA games these days have. Mm -hmm. And did you ever make a video when you received any any particular backlash that you weren't expecting from any of your opinions on a game? Um, the Halo Reach one is the most obvious one that comes to mind, yep. but that's that was not. That I would say in that case, it wasn't so much me not expecting it, or more me just being ignorant. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, it's more like that was like on me, yeah. you know, kind of thing. It was on me for not constructing the video properly and all that type of stuff. Um, the one that, yeah, I can't really say there's been a backlash that I didn't expect so f at least so far. You okay. know, thank God. Um, I'm sure again. I'm sure it'll happen at some point because it's <laughs> happened to other you know smarter people than me. Um, and I welcome when that happens because if I make a video and there's a big problem with like that, then if there's a backlash, so be it. Mm -hmm. You know, worse things have happened. You know, as long as you know the complaints are valid and you know, and I think. You know, it's it's pretty it's pretty common for me to have my viewers disagree with me on a video, but because I think the videos are fair and because that's what I try to go yeah. for with them, um, people are usually fair in return and they're usually uh, pretty constructive in their feedback. Yeah, that, I was just wondering about, uh, say, Max Payne 3, for example. 
because uh, j- mm. just because of the nature of the game itself, because it seems so polarizing when it came out, you know. Yeah. Um, did you receive any? Were people quite fair in that for their for their views? I I, I think I think people were very fair yeah. and like I mean in in that reception. Yeah, and yeah, even people that don't like the game. Like one of my favorite personal favorite channels, you know, for some time mm-hmm. has been Examine Life of Gaming, a smaller channel, mm. and I've I've followed his content for years, and yeah, like. It was quite surreal for me to watch his latest video where he opens up going, after watching the Race of Max Payne 3 video, I had to reinstall it, which made me extremely angry and want to play better games instead. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that is so in his character. That is so something he would do. And it's so fucking weird that he's referencing me <laughs> in this case. Because, yeah, like I was so, you know, not... I always consider myself to be a viewer first rather than a creator because that's what I did for years. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny where, you know, sometimes I'll comment on a video and be and people be like, yo, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. And I've been like, I've been here for years. This is what I've done. <laughs> I just now make, <laughs> I've done this for years. I just make content now along with watching people, with other people. <laughs> and uh, what are you, what are you playing right now? Um, when you get time after making all these videos. Um, it's, I'm not working. I don't have plans to do a video on it right Mm -hmm. now, but it's actually frustrating because I I want to, you know, I'm playing Dragon Age Inquisition right now, um, to inform Mass Effect Andromeda because when I played Andromeda at launch and enjoyed it, Mm -hmm. I I already recognized the two games were extremely similar. So I'm trying to play through Inquisition right now, or at least get some playtime on it to kind of inform just how similar the games truly are. And if there's any more depth to that. And if it's worth discussing and structuring a video around, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Dirt Rally has been stealing my attention <laughs> a lot because that game is basically uh, my childhood in HD. Oh wow, lovely! Um, it it I love that game to death right now, and um, and Forza Horizon Four came out, and I've always been I loved two and three, so I got four, and that's been tempting me quite a bit. Mm. And then the biggest surprise recently was, um, I have to go to my recent game just to ensure the name, uh, Ring of Elysium. Ring of Elysium? I haven't... Uh... It's it's a PUBG clone made by Tencent. Oh, and that sounds God. fucking horrible. It sounds terrible. It sounds awful. You know, I, I heard free-to-play early access, you know, PUBG ripoff, and I thought, let's play this for, for, for the laughs. Ugh. And then I played it for three hours straight. And then next day I played it for three hours straight again. And it's actually, at, currently in the moment, it's a really well-constructed game. Um, it has the exact same setup and structure as PUBG, but everything feels better because all the animations, all the guns, all the movements, they all feel like 10 to 15% faster. There's a lot of little tiny um, quality of life improvements. Like when you pick up, like basically you don't have to micromanage your inventory. When you pick up an attachment for your gun, it just automatically attaches it. Um, but you can still take it off. And also there's keys when you're aiming to change scopes that are available, okay. which is fucking awesome. Um, when you get into vehicles, it just automatically puts you in the driver's seat if you're playing solo. Um, if you're playing, um, if you're bandages don't restrict you to 75% health only. Um, There's a lot of little quality touches like that. And there's also some really fun gameplay elements too. Like when you start the game, you use, you you can select between an ice pick climber, a snowboard, or a hang glider. Okay. And all of them have some, not just fun gameplay applications, but also some actual uh, tactical strategies. Uh, Operator Drewski, he opened up his video on the subject of he saw someone else ziplining, so he hang hang glided to where they were, 
and killed them while they were on the zip line, <laughs> uh, and they couldn't do anything. So yeah, the game is it, the game really shocked me, and kind of at the moment I'm playing th- it quite a bit right now because I feel like Ten Cent's gonna ruin it. The, the yeah, just, the, yeah, just based on <laughs> just based on previous experience. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's gonna be good. So at the moment I'm kind of just playing it and enjoying it for what it is right now. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. But although I I tried to avoid and, anything Ten Cent though because. I used to, I used to live yeah. in I used, lived in Beijing for about a year, and um, oh god, and, yeah, and uh, they use WeChat as a form of communication. That is, you have to use WeChat. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. no other choice. But the government uses. And it I to know, spy on and you. I know that, and I know that We Game is being used as a Steam competitor over there, and that there's even been talks to bring that to the West. Oh god, um, which would be quite fascinating. But I'd n- when never that trust happens. Tencent because. The government spies. Yeah. They re- they honestly do. It's is is bad. Yeah. So I'd like to play it, but uh, Tencent. Don't yeah, know. I know that's the thing. So it's kind of like yeah, if people don't want to go for Tencent, I totally understand. But I didn't even know that when I was going into it. I just booed the game up and went, "Wow, I'm actually enjoying this." So yeah. I'll just you know play it until I. It's funny because there's been people speculate. Some people try to say that it's spying on you, and I don't know the validity of that yet because so far the consistency seems to be either people that had an earlier beta or people that use AVG virus, which is like one of the weaker antivirus softwares. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be the only people that get flagged. I run a pretty sophisticated antivirus and it doesn't flag anything. Right. Um, so I don't think that's the case yet. It wouldn't surprise me if Tencent's doing some shady shit with the government because <laughs> as for the reasons you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I think that's kind of fascinating in a weird way though, where I'm playing this game, I'm enjoying it, but because of the people behind it, I don't trust to enjoy it, say two years from now. Oh God, yeah, they'll they'll ruin it somehow. I mean, they'll try to cater towards <laughs> the Chinese market and. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's even uh, tickling some ideas in my brain right now. Maybe I'll even make that into something later. That could be pretty good. Yeah, that could be a fun one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And are you able to um, possibly give us any details on what you've got in the works at the moment, or is that a, uh, a guarded secret? I don't want to. It's more like I don't want to tell anything right now, just in case it changes. Oh, okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's the main reason. Um, I do have. There's plenty of ideas I've had on the table, and then I don't come to for a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> have you got like a list, um, like a I, document of ideas? Um, I actually very funny when you mentioned that. I very recently was feeling starved for ideas but then i break out the notebook and i start writing down ideas and then inevitably i had two pages full and i went oh okay never mind i do have plenty of ideas to yeah. work on <laughs> false alarm uh, dear. and uh, have you ever thought about um moving into the voice acting side of things because when i listen to your videos like you have a very characteristical voice it's you know very definitive mm. it's it's a lovely voice um, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I was thinking, I wonder how much he edits that, you know. But we're we're talking now, and you just sound just like your videos. So, well, it's 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 like I very I do some very subtle uh, noise removal and slight bass boost just to make it feel warmer. Yeah. If you know what I mean, like kind of like a sort of a radio type of thing, because yeah. um, it's what radio a lot of radio programs do. Um, I haven't really considered voice acting though, because I feel like I don't really have much range. Okay. And there's also just some personal things that I've been going through recently. Like one of the things about my voice is that it's quite inconsistent. Uh, I see. Um, which is quite infuriating when I'm narrating. One of the fa- one of my favorite things about moving into this into the space here um, is that I don't have to change the recording setup every time. When I was living in a small apartment a long t- about a year or two ago, um, I would have to 
you know, use a different stand, usually because my stands were books, <laughs> and I'd have to change the microphone position. One video I'm using a sock as a pop filter, the other one I'm using gotcha. something else. You know, I had to duct tape a pop filter to the microphone one time, you know, all this shit. Um, <laughs> And yeah, now to have, you know, just a standard boom arm, you know, some padding on the walls, yeah. it, it sounds relatively consistent in videos, mm -hmm. even when I do record on separate days. So yeah, that's a nice thing to have. But yeah, no, in terms of voice acting, <laughs> I haven't really considered it at this moment. Uh, I know your pain. I, um, I moved to Canada just over a month ago. Um, yeah. I'm Montreal at the moment. And I was living in a hostel and I was arranging to do interviews on this YouTube channel, but I was like working out like when everybody else in the room is going to go. So I've got this microphone like set up on the top bunk of this yeah. bunk bed. <laughs> Me looking at this yeah. microphone, like there's <laughs> trying to shut all the windows, but it's on the main street. So the cars are going past. And I mean, now I've moved into my own flat, but I'm in the basement floor well, the of like a noisy apartment. <laughs> yeah. And, that, that's the thing is, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I, that's something I, that when... Because, you know, you initially have that fear of like, ooh, am I changing stuff too much? Is this too artificial? Because, I mean, you, there are times where, you know, you you listen to a YouTube video or listen to something and you're like, that's bullshit. That is not what that guy actually sounds like. That is not um, how they retro they're, they're, what their real attitude as. Yeah, like that kind of yeah. thing. Like, uh, God, I've seen some videos where they just augment this. Sh they, they, <laughs> overproduced is a word for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it does apply to some people uh, much more in the professional music industry more than anywhere mm -hmm. else. Um, but yeah, when it w there's an old one of my fa my favorite musician uh, Clayton, uh, he had a great exit. No, not even him. His producer in a behind the scenes video had a pretty amazing saying that I've lived by since then. Even though this guy very clearly was just saying it, you know, just because it's what he believed. It wasn't yeah. meant to be a speech or anything. He just said, um, you're as good as, you're, as you can edit yourself to be. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. Like that, and that's kind of, that's what I live mm -hmm. by. I went, you know, hey, you know, does this microphone sound decent? Okay. They don't need to know that it's stacked on six books, has a <laughs> sock on top, and yeah. I've edited the shit out of this to get out all of the wrong takes, all of the pauses for breath and shit. Yeah. No one needs to know. No. trade secret man <laughs> and uh, at the end of uh, I'll ask one more question I'll let you go um, with, uh, so I've got one more question for you at the end of your videos you, you always have these like these questions from your patrons which are very yeah. interesting uh, peculiar <laughs> uh, is there a particular favorite you wanted... that you've, you've had from this uh, particular, a particularly favorite mm -hmm. question uh, the one that's most notable is the Snoop Dogg cover I know uh, it's not my personal favorite, but that's the one that I know people will probably go to. Uh, as I a forgot question. about that one. That was a good. That that impressed me. I was like, "Damn, he's, he's actually yeah. going for it, man! Nice, <laughs> right on, man." Well, that, that that's the that to me was the the fun of the Q and A though. Is I feel like that is a way to sort of diffuse um, <laughs> any seriousness uh, that might be in a video, yeah. and without discrediting the video, if you know what mm -hmm. I mean. It's the kind of thing where the video can still make a point. It can still be relatively serious if it calls for it, but people can still have fun with it. And the main thing too is. I wanted there to be a reason for an ordinary viewer to stick after the video is done yep. without donating on Patreon. Because I think, I'm sorry, I think we've all been there, you know, where, you know, there's plenty of creators I like that when the Patreon credits come on, I just turn the video off because yeah. there's nothing for me. And I don't feel insulted or anything like that. It was just the kind of thing where when I was making my content, I'm like, why don't we try this and see how it goes? Mm -hmm. And it kind of just 
stuck. Yeah, it works. It's it's interesting. I stick around for them. <laughs> that was such a good cover, man. It was so good. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to think and use that to kickstart the rap career. Oh, good. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time, Lucas. It's uh, It's been a lovely chat. No, yeah, no, thank you for being an absolute pleasure to talk Lovely. to. And uh, yeah, if you ever want to play a game or if you ever come to Montreal, hit me up, man. I'll uh, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll host you. Do. Don't worry. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>